Welcome to Herf Zone Live, the show that is unlike any other cigar show. We have the most eclectic lineup of guests, of which some smoke cigars and some do not. Some will be willing to try. Either way, we bring you the best content weekly. If you are tuning in for the first time every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m., we go live on the Team Shirtless Mike YouTube channel. Make sure to like this video, subscribe, and uh, leave your comments while I'm live. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. You can follow me on social media. My Facebook is, you, all you got to do is just search for Mike Holmes for my personal Facebook page or Shirtless Mike for my fan page. Also, make sure to follow me on Instagram at ShirtlessMike2020. All right, everybody. I do appreciate you guys for tuning in. We already got people, uh, we already got people coming in here or whatever, so... Got a few people, so I'll wait for you to leave your comments. I got to pull up my notes here. Um, I do have a kind of a big announcement before we get the show started. Before I bring my guest, Jack Smink, on, um, I'm going to start. I already started the process, but I'm taking the audio from my Hearthstone Live shows, and I am... Um, I'm making it into an audio podcast. It's uh, on the website called anchor.fm slash Hearthzone Live. And, um, you know, you could go to that website and hear all the audio from my podcasts and everything. And also I have a custom intro for that audio podcast. So you can check that out um, and all that good stuff. So, yeah, without further ado, I'm going to bring on our guest, uh, He's a he's been a personal friend of mine. I've known him for around nine years. We got to know each other through the cigar community at our home shop, Paradise Cigars, and he's just an all around awesome dude. So I'm gonna bring on our guest tonight, Jack Smink. What's going doing? on? What's going on, Jack? How you doing, brother? Oh, doing great, Mike. Doing fantastic. Man, as good as we can, being locked up. Let's put yes. That Yes, definitely. Yeah, we had some good conversation before the show. I had to cut you off and be like, yo, I got to start the show. So I'm getting this uh, I'm getting this uh, cigar lit here tonight. I'm smoking a, a Liga de la Casa from Caffey 1901 Cigars. Shouts out to Dr. Gabby Caffey. And Looks like a Maduro. Yes, and it's really good. It's a real... It's, it's one of the everyday cigars I've been smoking. It's in the $2 range, you know. So let's see here. We already have somebody commenting here, uh, which is my Aunt Ruth. She says, hi, from Raleigh. She lives Raleigh, in Raleigh, North Carolina. Yep, she lives in Raleigh, North Carolina. Big Elvis and, fans in North Carolina now. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. So, yeah, we're going to just go ahead and jump right into the interview here. Um, you know, my first thing on the agenda you know, so you, you're a Rockledge, Florida. You know, you're a Brevard County native. Tell me about how things were growing up in your era. Give me a brief outlook of your early years. In my era? Yeah. Well, back then, we had, like, the Flintstones cars. And <laughs> you didn't use gas. You just ran under the car with your feet. No. Uh, I, I was raised here in Brevard County in Rockledge. Um, went to Rockledge Elementary, then Hans Christian Anderson. Went through the whole school system in Rockledge. Uh, I, I moved here from upstate New York. I, I got here when I was around eight years old. So this is basically my hometown. I've lived here my whole life. Probably going to leave this coil from Brevard County. I love it here. Great place nice. to live. Nice, nice. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, so in the early years, though, you know, before you started the whole music thing, or, or, or was it? You know, when you were kind of, you know, you were kind of doing both, but you used to be in the painting business, right? Right. My dad was a painting contractor, and he, when he passed away, um, you know, I I had just gotten married. I was like 21 or 22 years old, and, um, you know, my dad passed away, and he was sick for a good little while, and so I took over the painting business, which was kind of in shambles. He was sick for a year and a half. I took that business over and we did quite well with it and um, moved my mom in the house with us. We built an additional section on the house and I went in the painting business. Uh, I was around it my whole life, so I understood it. I didn't understand the business end of it. I never got to bid jobs or do takeoffs. I had to kind of 
learn as I went. But it wasn't, didn't take me but about a year. I was painting for four, people like Florida Power Light, Southern Bell, Pizza Hut. I was painting uh, waterproofing condominiums in the area, all over the beaches. Uh, I was still painting people's homes, um, too. I had like three crews going at the time. And then the shuttle blew. And when the shuttle blew, um, back then, the, the real um, economic engine in Brevard County was the space program. So when that blew, our, our economy went to zero, it, from, from 100 to zero. And um, at that point, I, was, I, I had a lot of overhead, you know, back then, and a big crews of people, and now no work. Everybody pulled out. Um, I was lucky because just at that moment in time, a company called Richards Paint Manufacturing contacted me and asked me would I be interested in working for them. So now I, I went from that, shut the business down, and went into selling paint. And within about a year, I became a commercial sales manager um, for them. Um, and I worked for them for quite a while. I think it was about eight, nine years, something like that. And and then from there, I went with a company called Duron Paints. So I sold a lot of paint, put a lot of paint on. Uh, that's my background. In fact, the name Smink is Dutch, and it means paint. Mm. So I was in the right <laughs> business at the time. Uh, but I always sang. I, I, even when I had the business, I would sing on the weekends here and there, and I sang a lot in church. And... Uh, people would always ask me to, to do Elvis stuff, Elvis tunes. So I would do that. I, I'd get invited to parties with just the adults, and I'd be the only kid in the room. They'd put on an Elvis album and ask me to sing with it. Mm -hmm. So I was the entertainment. I, I didn't know it at first, but it didn't take me long to figure it out. I was the entertainment. But um, so it kind of was a thing that built it. You know, it happened. It was organic the way it all came together. I, it wasn't planned. Uh, I mean, you make plans, business plans along the way and, and that, but it, it wasn't something that I had a, a lifelong desire to do, you know. When I started in the business, uh, there was only three of us. Hmm. Um, it was me, a guy named Orion, and and, um, and there was another fellow named, what's his name? Johnny Hara. Johnny Hara. And Johnny Hara looked exactly like Elvis. You couldn't tell the two of them apart. Orion, he sounded exactly like Elvis. I don't know where I fit in out of the three. I think I had a little bit of each of them. But uh, great guys. And now I think they last last uh, time I checked, uh, there's 70,000 Elvis tribute artists. Oh, in, wow. In the world. That's a lot of Elvises. Elvis I. El How do you say it? Elvi. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, yeah. It's, so yeah, uh, you're, you're you're one of the first three Elvis uh, tribute artists. That I'm aware of, yeah, that I'm aware of, exactly. That made yeah. a full-time living at it, I mean. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. that actually leads us perfectly into the next topic of conversation. So you have branded yourself very well. Most people initially know you as the Elvis guy, uh, but you mm -hmm. aren't simply an Elvis impersonator. You're more of a tribute artist. What is the difference between an Elvis impersonator and a tribute artist? Man, you did do your homework. That's a great question. Uh, a tribute a tribute artist doesn't try to be Elvis. Okay, they from the probably at the end of the first song they do and start to communicate with the audience. You know your jacks. They know your Jack Smink, and you're not trying to be somebody else. You wear yeah. the jumpsuits. You know. Now your, your, your impersonators are trying to create an illusion on stage. Um, and I have a lot of respect for impersonators. It's, it, it's a tough craft because Elvis had a, left a high bar for people. Yeah, definitely. So there's some very good ones out there, and I have, they're good friends of mine. But what I do is a totally, what I've done in the past is a totally different uh, skill set. It's entertainment, and it's, it's, it's honoring the greatest entertainer of all times. You could say you didn't think he was the best singer. Maybe that's right. Maybe that's wrong. You could say he wasn't the greatest dancer. But when the man got on stage, he captiva captivated a stage, and he was an entertainer 
that could not be compared to anyone. He was the best. Definitely, definitely. And so you started out singing uh, an Elvis song at a local church festival. You did it simply for fun, but the crowd just really enjoyed it. Uh, after that performance, when did you know that you would be doing that for many years to come? Was there like a turning point right there? or, um, or No, I didn't have an epiphany. No I, epiphany? I was, I was scared, scared to death when I did that. It scared the heck out of me. And um, because you got to understand, at that time, I didn't know there was anybody else impersonating Elvis or doing a tribute to Elvis. And I thought, God. People are going to probably boo me off the stage trying to be Elvis or something on stage. I had no grasp of what was going to happen, and it, it scared me to death because the guy was the greatest. And um, But the, the audience was very, very responsive, and we, we had a good time, and we communicated. I, I, I got more out of that than I, than I bargained for because mm -hmm. when you're on stage and you're doing that type of music, any kind of music, you're, communi you're communicating to people. Music is kind of like shorthand. Shorthand, you know? Yeah. In three minutes, you're communicating to people in three minutes. I, I used to go to, to church at when I was a boy, and I'd watch the preacher preach for an hour and ask the people to come to the front and give the heart to God. And then nobody would get up and come to the front. And uh, Miss Jones would get up. And she'd sing a three-minute song, and half the church would, would, would run to the front. So the power of music is, is outstanding, and communication and the feel of it. It's just uh, when you're able to bring that across to people, it's, uh, it's like nothing you can describe to some other people. You know, it, It's like you're, you're at the right place doing the right thing at the right time, and there's nothing better than that, is there, Mike? Nope, not Thanks. at all. That's awesome. So you started performing your unfinished business concerts not long after the world lost Elvis Presley. Uh, how long was it before you started to meet and started working with some of Elvis's friends and band members? Was it immediately or did it take a few years for that to happen? It took a few years. I started doing some stuff locally um, around here. And, and then I had people want me to come to Orlando, to venues in Orlando, and I did that. I got to know a lot of people in Orlando, and I said, well, heck, I ought to get my own room. So I went over there and met, negotiated with one of the, the hotels about a mile from Disney. And lo and behold, they gave me a, a ballroom, large ballroom. And I set it up like Vegas, covered tables. It was nice. And I, was, I did shows there for like seven years. So to answer your question, start out very small and organically again i'll use that word again it seemed to to, to blossom from there it, a lot of guys that do this it's like their lifelong desire and from the day they start they want to do whatever i, I wasn't like that in the beginning I, it just kept a happening to me more and more and i i finally i quit fighting it <laughs> you know and, and i wasn't fighting it because i thought it was not good music i fought it because quite the contrary I, it, it was real tough music to do and you had a high bar in front of you Elvis and and so you wanted to do it I did wanted to do it respectfully so that was the whole thing and, and um, but it worked out all right you know here I am you know all these years later um, you know you're talking I did my first show when you spoke of um, a month after Elvis passed away month and a half and um i've been i've been halloween night i've been doing it ever ever since you know yeah definitely and uh since you became an elvis tribute artist you've traveled all around the united states all around the world uh particularly england though tell me about your experience performing in england it was awesome people in england to me uh i felt first day I walked into England, I felt at home. British people are just, they're so, they make you feel so at home. And I, and I did. I got along with people in England. Um, I guess I kind of relate to them because they're, they're people that are very kind if you deserve it. <laughs> yeah. you, deserve it you get the bad end of them and they, and they can do that too. 
So I, yeah. I like that about them, and they're very blunt, straightforward people, and I love that. So and Elvis, it didn't hurt that Elvis was like number one in England. He was mm. it. Elvis was the king, and in, as he is at a lot of places, but in Britain, in England, it's it's strong, man. It's real strong. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So was it kind of like a? Well, I know you said you felt at home, but like, what's the biggest differences like culturally, you know, between here and there? Um, the difference here and there was um, over there. I had to travel a lot more. Uh, I was doing middle size, medium sized shows. I was doing large shows, and I did a lot of them. I'd go there for two months and and do two months worth of shows every day. Every mm. day I'd do a show. Which is cool. You go home. You go to your bed and breakfast or whatever, and you sleep half the day. Get up, have breakfast at lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> you know, have a yeah. couple cigars, and then you're ready for the show that night. So it was it was great, and the people there, they're interesting people. They start out drinking. The first beer, they're sort of tight. The second beer, man, you're having a ball. And they're <laughs> very responsive. And um, so, no, I never had one bad experience over there, really. Um, South America was interesting. I, I, I went to South America to, to do a, an event. And all this event that I did, all the, the South American countries were, were involved in it. All right. It was kind of get, a gathering of the, all these places. This place was called the Crystal Palace. It's where they had the Miss Universe pageant that year. Anyway, I was the entertainment. Now, they had people from different districts in South America and towns and cities, and they all had something that they represented. One was taffy. One town was known for their taffy. Another one was for, like, dishware and stuff like that. And they had two Indian chiefs at this event. One was a holistic chief holistic medicine chief, very nice little guy. And then the other one was a headhunter. He was a headhunter, mm. a real headhunter. Oh, wow. In fact, I got a picture of him and I together. And he, they handed me a spear to hold while, you know, while I was standing there with him get, taking this picture, and I felt something touching my hand. And it was actually a shrunken head. The hair oh. was Oh, uh, freaked me out. You can look at that picture. You know I was freaked out. Yeah. But that guy, when I met him, now they don't speak good English. But when he saw me, he he looked at me and pointed at me and he said, "Jailhouse Rock, Jailhouse Rock," in broken English. I, and it blew me away because I thought, just think about how famous Elvis is, man. He's known all over the world. This guy lives out in the woods in South America, mm. in Ecuador. And uh, just amazing, amazing the impact that Elvis had on this world, man. And uh, so we keep getting back to Elvis a lot. It's easy, easy to talk about. You know, yeah. He did his time, did it well. Yep, definitely, definitely. So you, you actually have two personal favorite shows, um, August 18th, 1999, and August 17th, 2002 at the Cumberland County Convention Center in Maine. Uh, back in 1977, Elvis was supposed to perform those dates at that location. So tell me about the nostalgia of those shows for you and how you helped that community honor Elvis Presley. And also tell me the response to those shows. Well, the Cumberland County Civic Center holds about, I don't know, I'm going to say 6,000 people. That's a guess. But we, we sold it out. There wasn't an empty seat in the place. It's a big Elvis town. And Elvis was supposed to come and do the first show of the opening of the the Cumberland County Civic Center. He was going to open the place. You understand? Mm -hmm. So the town was just over the top waiting for him. They sold out the first day, then they sold out the day before the first day because they always go back a day. Um, and and he he you know he was scheduled to do the show, and then the day before the show, he Elvis his habit was he would pack and get ready to go, put his all his baggage at the foot of the stairs. He lived up a set of stairs where he slept. 
and um, he died in his sleep that night. So he never made it to, to Portland. I, I went there, and um, they they hired my band, and I I have a fifteen or I had a fifteen piece band. We went to Portland, did the show in Portland, and on the same day, and and uh, it was sold out. It was a nice. It was a like you say. It was something I'll never forget. I, the thing that's really crazy about it is when I did that show. I was within a month of being, was it a month, a month and a half of being his, his age when he oh, was wow. supposed to do that show. Wow. Yeah. I called up a guy named Joe Esposito and a guy named Dick Grohl, and I asked them both, did they have a copy of the list of songs? They both did. And they both coincided, so I knew they were, they were both right. So the songs I the song list I put together and the songs I did at the show were the ones that Elvis would have done had he made it there. Oh wow! So yeah, it was uh there was some family there of Elvis's. Dick Grobe, head of security for Elvis was there. Um, there was a lot of Elvis people there, and um, it was just great. It was an unbelievable experience, you know. And Portland was very kind to of me. I couldn't. I couldn't spend any money in Portland. <laughs> I couldn't spend any money in Portland. Uh, everywhere I went to eat, they they buy my dinner, my lunch. They the the all the cabbies, cab drivers, came up to me and handed me their card with a and they wrote on the back free ride. And anywhere I wanted to go, I just called their number and they come pick me up and take me anywhere I wanted to go in Portland. I didn't even need a car. Wow. Yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. And the show went off without a hitch. We had a good time. Um, I have it on video. I, I hired some people to come in and do a three-camera shoot on that. So I have a pretty good uh, copy of the whole show. And, nice, nice. Uh, it's one of those shows that we didn't have not, not one hitch in that show. It went perfectly. It that's went awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. It sounds it sounds like an amazing time. It, 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 it is. It was. It was a, it was an amazing time. God was good to me. I, I've been fortunate to be able to see and do some of the things I've done. And you look back on them, and it's it's nice remembering. You know? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And so you produce all of your own shows, whether it's a large scale or even a smaller scale. But either way, they're all you know they're all larger than life. You know, I've experienced that. Um, what does it take to put on a show? Well. If you're going to do it yourself, you have to have, first of all, you have to have pretty good negotiating skills to get the venue and to make a deal on the venue. And then you've got food that's going to be brought in. You have to, uh, you have to negotiate on that. And so there's some skills in that. And then you have to get with a sound and lighting company. Sound and lighting, usually they're both. Yep. And then you have to hire a staging company to come in and stage it out for you, right? Advertising, you have to market the show, right? So it's, uh, and you know what I mean? And do anything you can, advertising in the paper, whatever you can do that you can afford. That's in yep. the budget. And then from that, you figure out what you got to get a ticket and what's the breaking point. I had a guy one time tell me, he said, you're just an Elvis guy. I said, really? I said, um, I made a living at it. Well, that's good, but yeah. I said, well, I did. My, I produced all my own shows, and I, I, the band and all, and that was, you know, fourteen to sixteen people. Um, I, I advertised, marketed myself, I branded myself. I was souped to nuts and probably swept up the floor on the way out, and uh, and so I told him, I said, you're. It's all right. You can call me the Elvis guy because that's how I branded myself. You've just given me a pat on the back. That's how I branded myself. Yeah. I'm a businessman. I've been a businessman my whole life. From a young age, I was thrown into business and I had to do it. So. Yeah. Definitely. And, and now I'm known... an old, retired, semi-retired, getting ready to go into Plan 2. <laughs> Definitely. For plan 2 now, brother. And Plan 2, I'm hoping, is as exciting as Plan 1 was for me. Definitely, definitely. I've known you now for about nine years or so, you know, since we met at Paradise Cigars. Um, you know, 
what was it, a couple years ago now, I finally checked out your show at the Moose Lodge on Merritt Island. It was your first show after quite a few years. You know, you had gotten surgery on your hips. You were able yep. to, to twist and shake and all that good stuff. Um, how did it feel hitting the stage again after such a long hiatus? Don't say hitting the stage when you got a hip operation. I used to hunka hunka. Now I just hunka. <laughs> That's what I told the audience. They liked it. Um, but um, it was it was great. People were great. You were there. You know how full it was. We, oh yeah, it was. They packed. were. They were. It was packed. They, they couldn't get another human being in that place. In fact, I'm glad the fire department didn't show up that night. We'd have been in trouble. <laughs> it was. I, I never seen people that tight. I couldn't. I, I, they were like up against the stage. I, you know, I couldn't go off the stage, which yep. I like to do from time to time. So. Oh yeah. Uh, but it's it's always a good. You know, I've sung. I've sung, sung, is that right? I've sung in front of uh, 120,000 people, and I've performed in front of two people. And I got to tell you, Mike, singing in front of two people is a lot tougher uh, because you have to give them the same intensity. You have to work just as hard. They paid the same amount of money as the 120,000 did, or probably even a little more. Mm -hmm. So you better give them something good. And uh, I always tried to give, when I was on stage, I always tried to give people the best I could, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know I had, we, me and my grandma, we were all the way in the back, you know, and, and just for seating purposes. But we kind of moved uh, up to the front of the stage. And I, ha I had to drag her to the front because you were giving out the scarves. And, uh, you know, I wanted her to have that whole experience of, um, you know, getting yeah. a scarf. So it, it definitely was, um, you know, it was a fun time, you know, from our first time going to one of your shows yeah. and all that. And, you know, typically, you know, just historically, I'm a hip hop dude. Like I grew up on hip hop, but, you it's know, hard. just just as, you know, getting older, you know, I kind of branched out a little bit more. And it was one of the best nights that I had in a while. Uh, and I, I know we didn't get to smoke a cigar after you were busy after. But yeah. the, um, a friend of mine, uh, Chris Padone, who was the uh, the guy over the moose at that time, he, uh, right. you know, me and him smoked a cigar after. So, yeah, I wanted desperately to be able to take the time to do that. But yeah. Remember what I said a minute ago. I, I I'm I'm the guy that has to make sure that all the lighting is put away, all the staging is taken out of the building. Yeah. Make sure everything is is kosher. So I I. After I after you do an hour and a half show, mm -hmm. you know, and you do all that, there wasn't nothing left of me that night afterwards because those people worked me, son. Oh those yeah, definitely worked me. It, yeah, did. And you know? and I know how it is because when I was a lot younger, I used to rap, so I've done shows, you know, you know, so I kind of know how it is. Like, <laughs> you know, if you're throwing your own thing, then you got to make sure everything is, you know, taken down and. You know, it's it's it's, it's a pretty um, lengthy process. So I think I gave away a hundred scarves that night. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they want you to put them around their neck, give them a hug while you're singing. So yeah. it's a lot. You know, it's a lot up and down. You know, bending. You know. But but it, it's it's all worth it. It's all it's all about the love, man. That's what it's all, all about, really. Definitely, definitely. I know my grandma felt it. I felt it. It was a good time. I was, you know, I took some videos and it was a lot of fun. So uh, we're going to move on to a different topic here and just kind of keep this thing progressing along. So you not only perform Elvis songs, but you also record your own music. And recently uh, you actually sent me a video. The song was called I Hate Hate. Tell me about yeah. that song and what has the response been like? Well, I got to know a gentleman named Razzie Bailey and... Um... He was real big in the 70s and well-known. He worked with people like uh, Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson, them guys. He had a lot of number one hits. And I got to know him through a third party. And we got to be friends. And he said, would you like to do one of my songs? And I, I said, sure. And he gave me two songs. And that I Hate Hate was one of them. He had a hit with it in the 70s. And I took it and kind of revamped it, made it my own in the studio with my guys and girls. And um, we got it done. I, I love the song. It's got quite a message to it. 
and for yeah. these times today yes you know it's real uh in fact i felt so strongly i'm in that vein of thought that i i didn't i haven't sold a copy of it i mm. i put it out there for free if you go on jacksmith.com i'm sorry on my facebook which is yeah it's it's on your website too. That's where I did my research at. <laughs> okay, well, and there's a video that goes with it. Did you see the video that went with it? Just yeah, I think it? that's on your website as well, and I saw it on your Facebook. So, well, there you yeah, go. yeah. If you're watching right now, make sure you uh, add Jacks me. I think you have a like page, don't you, as well, or just your personal page? Um, just Jacks me. Yeah, just set him a friend request. Jacks and me. Lightning strikes twice. Um. Is that it? Yeah. That's it. Lightning strikes twice. My wife's here. She's my brain. <laughs> I tell you. <laughs> Thank God for your wife. She's oh you know, my. God, God oh, bless you her. No clue. We met in high school. We've been married 41 years. Mm. Not a lot of people can say that anymore. No, and we dated uh, another, what, six years, Karen? Six years. And so we've been together forever, and, and uh, it's been great. You know, it's been, been quite a journey. Nobody knows me like Karen. Definitely. And um, I, I, I saw her at your concert, you know, making sure everything runs smoothly. And she did it in her dress and heels and all that. She was she was going back and forth all night. Yep. She's been down the hard road with me a few times with the, with the music. And uh, so she's learned and she does a good job of emceeing, an excellent job. She emceed the uh, show in Portland, Maine. Mm. You know, and uh, several, almost all, all my shows, she's she's MC, so she's great. We're gonna call her MC Karen from now on. MC Karen, right? <laughs> and so we're gonna uh, keep this thing going here. So, how much time? You know, I know before the show, um, you're talking about being in the studio a lot. So, how much time have you spent in the studio recently? And are you working on a new project? Yes, I got a. I'm working on. 14 songs i've got 10 of them done and then what they call in the business in the can mm -hmm. um and i've still got four more i'm going back the 30th to go in and record with the band a rough cut what they call a rough cut then we go in and bring in the the uh, other instruments and the singers backup singers and so it's it's quite a it's quite a a, a project one song probably takes I'd say 12, about 24 to 48 studio hours. Mm -hmm. And it's, if you have a good technician, somebody yep. that knows what they're doing and they're tedious, but they're great. And this gentleman that I have, Studio 101, uh, Brendan, he, he's the greatest. He's the greatest guy you know, for that. And, and so uh, that's the only place I really do business is over there at Studio 101 in Melbourne. Definitely. I yeah, I definitely heard a lot of good stuff about them. But, you know, I mean, I know the process of recording music since I used to rap. But I could just imagine, you know, you got, you know, backup singers. You got, you know, a whole band. And, you know, that it definitely it's very, very time consuming. So I definitely yeah. understand exactly you know, I mean, you're not just going in there for a couple hours. It takes a lot of time. So, uh, some people do that. Uh, I, uh, it's not what I choose to do. The guys I have are professionals, man. Yeah. Um, we have some great musicians in Brevard County and my musicians that play for me are in the top group in Brevard County. I don't want to say they're the best of the best. I personally think they're the best. But yeah, that could be argued, but there's you, you can't argue with the fact that they're in the very top level of skill, and and Brevard County is kind of a best kept secret, you know. Mm -hmm. The talent we have in Brevard County is just awesome. Some of the bands and some of the players are gifted, but the people that own the bars and establishments here, they're a little tough on those guys. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I, I've seen it and watched it go on, and and uh, so those guys feel kind of like after a while, if you don't have people think a lot of you, you you start thinking not a lot about yourself. 
you know, mm-hmm. you quit challenging yourself. You, you just be happy to go in and hit a few good licks and get out, get your money. And it's a, it's a real bad way to go at, at, a, at a trade, but it, it's not something that happens overnight. It's like a process. Um, the musicians in Brevard County really need to be treated with a whole lot more respect. Mm-hmm. We've got gifted players here and gifted singers, you know, and, and all. And uh, Brevard County, we have the skill of the people in Brevard County, the upper echelon I'm talking about. I'd put them in Nashville, and they, they'd hold their own in Nashville, the top of the game. Absolutely. They're wonderful. And and uh, so I feel honored to be here and be able to do stuff with people local. And these group of guys I got, they still get it. They still understand you know, to, you know, to push themselves and they're, and they're, they're all trying to better themselves musically. And that's what it takes. You don't go a day without learning something and gaining from the experience, you know? So. Absolutely. So we're going to switch gears again. So the cigars, because that's how we met, you know, in the local cigar community at our home shop, uh, paradise cigars. Uh, how long have you been smoking cigars and how did you get started in the cigar lifestyle? Is the government watching this? <laughs> is the government watching this? I, I, uh, I, the first cigar I ever smoked, I'll put it that way, was a Perotti. You know what a Perotti is? Yeah. It's an Italian cigar. De yep. Nobles and the Perotis, depending on what size you got. Yeah. They were uh, dry cured. You didn't have yep. to keep them in a the humidor. Yeah, like the Kentucky Fire Cured. Um... Short fill. And they were like a stick. Yeah. Um, you could literally put it on the ground and step on it, pick it up, light it, and smoke it. Yeah. It, it was that they're that hard and tough. And they were strong, but they were they were flavorful cigar, man. They they were good tasting cigar. Mm-hmm. Um but but it was a chore to smoke one. Yeah. I would go fishing. I liked to fish back then. And I would go fishing and to keep the mosquitoes off of me, I'd be smoking the Parodies and they know and I would say I was probably I'm ashamed to say I was probably 17 16 years old when I was doing that I mean that was a different time you know it's like you know yeah. it was a different time it's not like these these times where all this anti-smoking legislations and everything so yeah <laughs> yeah I got a word for that but I'm not gonna say it uh, <laughs> those people but you know it was a simpler time. You know, we we rode on the back of my dad's pickup truck when I was a boy. I mean, from here to Orlando and back on the back of my dad's pickup. Now, holy mackerel, you know, it's like the cops would probably pull you over now. Yeah. So the whole mentality, everybody's afraid. They spend mm-hmm. their whole life being afraid. And, um, you know, th- this world... Mike is but a vapor. We're only here for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. So if we're here an extra 20% and we're miserable, then uh, that just don't seem like the kind of life I want. So I, I try to enjoy my life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, without ex- without doing an excessive amount of pleasures. That yep. makes sense to me. Yeah, definitely. Moderation That's the way- is key. That's the way we all should be living, you know, right. just live our life to the fullest every single day. Sure. Uh, and since I've known you, you've also taken on other roles, one being in the cigar industry as a cigar broker for a while. Uh, how did you get started as a, cig- a cigar broker in that time of your life? And what was your experience like as a cigar broker? Well, I was like I say, I was with a company called Richards and Duran, and I've been in sales all my life in one capacity or another with the Elvis shows, I, I was the marketing person behind it. So I've always been in business and sales and, and really the cigar business isn't really much different than the paint selling paint. You know, you've got a widget to put on the shelf and, and, and then you have to, to deal with it from there the business end of it. But, um, so, I get to know some of the reps and then some of the owners of some of the cigar companies. And I got to know a guy we called Pops. Yep. Uh, and I know Pops. Okay. He's a good man. 
And uh, anyway, um, we got to talking and getting friendly. And I said, you know, I, he said, what are you doing? I said, I sing on the weekends. And I'm not singing as much now. It was starting to slow down in the Elvis world. And and uh, he said, how'd you like to sell some cigars? I said, well, sure. And he said, okay, you got the state of Florida. I went, the whole state? He said, yeah. I said, okay. So I traveled around doing that, and it was, and it was, it was fun. You know, I got to get out, smell the fresh air, <laughs> get <Yeah>. around, <laughs> meet other people. I like people. You know that. So yeah. I got to spend a lot of time with the store owners and some of the patrons of the stores and cigar people, as you well know, are some of the some, most of them are some of the best people out there. Really, yeah. a very small percentage that are dicks, but the rest of them are good people. Yeah, yeah, you got to put that on a little plaque. That would be good. Like <laughs> yeah. So you know, you know, you talk about you know the good stuff about being a cigar broker. Um, you know, just like there's pros to everything, there's also cons. What was the worst part about being a cigar broker? Well, there was no bad side of it for me, except that if you had to feed three kids and the house payment on it, mm-hmm. that weren't going to happen. Um, you know, uh, I did it because I enjoyed it and I didn't lose money at it. I made a few dollars here and there and I smoked my brains out. I had all the cigars I wanted <laughs> all the time. Anytime I wanted the best, the best of the best, I got spoiled rotten. Yeah. And so it was more for me, it wasn't something I had to, uh, I was, I wasn't inhibited by it. I, I just went and did it and did it for the enjoyment of it. And it was kind of neat, you know, in the past, every time I ever marketed like paint, um, yeah. it was cause I had to feed the family, you know, sell mm-hmm. my, sell jobs for my paint company. I have a paint company and uh, do all that. But that was out of necessity. Um, this was more out of pleasure. So it's hard to have, we were talking about that. If you do something you love, you do it. It's never, a, you don't work, ever work a day in your life. If it's what you love to do. And I loved cigars. I still love them. So mm-hmm. it was, it was kind of an, almost like a little vacation. Yeah, you know? definitely. And I asked that question because I've, you know, I've talked to a lot of cigar um, reps and uh, brokers, you know, because there's a difference. You know, if you're a broker, you're sure, you know, you're you're you know, you're representing other brands. You're not in house. And, you know, all of them will tell you, you know, if you're going to be a broker, you got to make sure, you know, you got at least a year's worth of expenses saved up because you're not going to make money right away. And, um, <laughs> you know, just long you know, enough for them to replace you. Yeah. You but I have mean, money, then they replace you. And they tell that to the next guy. You yeah. know, I, I saw that right off the bat with a lot of people. That's why I worked for people like Pops. Pops was yeah. a straight shooter. Um, yeah. Always made sure I was treated fairly. And I tried my best to help him with his business. Definitely. Uh, we had, a, we had a, a good relationship there and a friendship, which is still going on, I, I believe, on my end anyway, and I believe on his. Still happening today. I mean, I spoke... I speak to him every once in a while on the phone. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Yeah, yeah. I definitely ask that question because you know a lot, the, people see a romanticized, um, you know, view of being a rep or a broker. So I wanted to see what your view. On, that's awesome. You're like the first person I talked to. He was like, there, there was no downsides for me. So hey, no. that's, you know, that's awesome. That's awesome. There really so. wasn't. I mean, you know, I had to chase sometimes, not with, uh, not with pops, but. With some of the other, I rep like four different companies, mm-hmm. and sometimes you had to chase down your money. Yeah, I've heard or, stories. Or you like had that. to go, or you'd sell somebody product, and they wouldn't want to pay the uh, the manufacturer. So I'd have to be the middleman going in there and tell them to pay up. You know, yeah, which wasn't really my job description, but mm-hmm. I did it. Yeah, because I like the guys. You know, I like the guys I worked with and girls. Um, one of them was a lady. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely here to, you know, good to hear about, you know, somebody who enjoyed that and, you know, and, 
you know, I definitely, you know, I won't put the brand names out there, although you've, you know, you talked about one, but hey, I, when you were repping them, I made, I was smoking all of those brands still do to this day if I find them or whatever. So that's pretty awesome. So I tried to sell product that I liked. Yeah. I mean, that always is the, you know, the best way if you're trying to sell something because you don't have to work as hard because you truly believe in that product. You know what I mean? Right. Like you, you're not, you know, you're not having to, you know, like it's very believable because you're not having to, you know, come off like you're convincing. You really are convincing because you smoke that you believe in it, you know, all makes it, takes, it a whole lot easier, brother. All it takes sometimes is for you to get, you know, with a, a, a shop owner because shop, you know, they say you got to go into a shop a minimum of 10 times before they say yes. And so some, you know, you have to get that shop owner to smoke that product to, you know, so they can see, you know, and, and you have to convince them why they should, you know, bring that product into their store because they got a limited amount of shelf space. So, you let's know, face it. Let's in, face mo it. in most cases you have to earn that shelf space. Well, and, and it's all about relationships, Mike. Mm -hmm. It's all about relationships. Life is about relationships. If, 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 if you're married or you have a girlfriend or a guy has a girlfriend, you have to respect each other, not take each other for granted, continue to date each other. Mm -hmm. um, that's how I've been married this long. So, I mean, uh, anytime you're developing a relationship with someone, you cannot take them for granted. You can't take advantage of them. Always be honest to them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, these are all things you do, whether it's a fiduciary relationship, whether it's a friendship, especially if it's a friendship. Mm -hmm. And again, a love interest or a marriage, you, you have to uh, not take them for granted and um, work at them, date them, continue dating them. Yep. And I did that with the paint when I sold it. I did that with the cigars. And um, sometimes I would go into a store and just tell them I stopped in because I was tired and I was just coming in to hang out. And I'd light up a cigar that we didn't have before and they'd say, what is that? Oh, this? You know, and then we talk about that cigar. Next thing you know, they're ordering boxes of it. So, you know, that you have to believe in what you're doing and you don't have to put the hard sell on people. Yeah, definitely. It's and. I've seen a lot of reps of the successful ones are the ones who just are about relationship. You know, they, they come in even, you know, they're not trying to like hard sell. They're just coming in to hang out. And just through that, it just develops relationships with the shops. You know, it's yeah. just me being a consumer. I've, I've noticed that. And so that's, that's definitely awesome. And those shop owners know each other. So if you go in one store and they believe in you and they talk, you know, yep. so it, it gets around and, and so that's it. Yeah, and then it's it, just being, like you say, it's being repetitive, mm -hmm. being around so that, you know. Yeah, I think uh, Alfredo Cruz, I heard an interview with him. He was on the Cigar Hustlers podcast, and that's what he said. He said, you have to go into a shop a minimum of 10 times before they say yes. So, I mean, I've heard other reps say that, too. So. Uh, so we're going to move on here. Generally speaking, what are some cigars that you have been smoking lately? And have you come across anything that you have not typically smoked and have added it to your rotation? Well, I'm, I'm good. Well, I like an array of cigars, but you know that because you know me. I, I like uh, I like Maduro cigar. I like the heavier bodied cigar. Um, but I also like usually Dominican or Nicaraguan or a blend thereof. Uh, I like a lot of flavor. I like to, when I retro smoke it, I like it to hit me between the eyes. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm looking for in a stick. And that's generally anyone that has, that fits that category, I'm, I'm good Def with it. Definitely. Have you smoked the uh, Tricky Traca by, uh, by Dunbarton Tobacco? That's Steve Saka's brand. No, I can't say I have. Yeah, that cigar, the first time, because uh, Brooke brought it in because he had the Dunbarton tobacco, you know, he had the Tricky Traca, you know, and, and the different Dunbarton cigars that Steve Saka makes. And that cigar, it was like my second cigar of the day when I smoked it. And that cigar, like I'm used to strong cigars, but that cigar almost knocked me out. I had to get used to it for a second because it kind of took it up a notch. That's what I like. 
And, uh, and I could smoke you something on... The, did you ever smoke the Admiral by uh, Yoyaba? Oh, of course I have. Yeah, I think I remember doing that, as a matter of fact. we I think we smoked one together one day. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Cause when that's they, a good smoke. Yeah, when, Ale when Alex and Diani came into town for their anniversary party... Uh, one year, you know, we, you know, we were smoking that cigar and, uh, that's a good cigar to me. It wasn't that strong. It had a lot of good flavor, but that tricky truck I was just talking about, it's, um, it's a me Corita. Um, you know, normally it has the blue label, but this has a red label. Uh, that cigar really took up, it took it up a notch for me when it came to strength. And I'm, I'm used to smoking cigars from mild, medium, full, it doesn't matter. Like I smoke all over the spectrum. So Def so yeah, uh, we've all been staying home more and uh, social distancing due to COVID and all that. Uh, I've talked to a lot of people during this time, and the general consensus seems to be that everyone is smoking more cigars since we have the time. Have you found yourself uh, smoking more cigars, or has your consumption stayed about the same? It's been really probably about same, you know, maybe even a little less, because I'm doing things around the house and I. I put it down and then relight it later, you know, finish it. Yeah. Um, I generally don't like to quit smoking a cigar once I've started it. I don't like to have to relight it. But, but you know, when you're doing stuff around the house, you got to do it. So a, a cigar that normally would last me 45 minutes or half an hour now lasts me two hours because I've yep. bit, bit and pieced it. Um, and so, you know. It's, I, I think, less. I think I'm smoking less. Okay, yeah, you're the first person who told me they've been smoking less, but, I mean, it makes sense. You know, I know I've kind of started smoking a lot more, and I had to I had to cut it back down. We were talking about that before the show. I had to keep it down to two to three, although today I smoked four because I was doing show prep and all well, that. You well, know, you know what I hate? I hate when the cigar is in your mouth and it's getting shorter. And that smoke's coming back up into your nose and your eyes. Yeah. You know? So I can't work out in the yard or do work around the house with a cigar in my mouth. First of all, in inside my house, I don't smoke. I have my own patio. It's a, it's actually all glassed in. It's like a like a sunroom, big yeah. sunroom, but I've like made a it into a, yeah, a I made it into room. my place. You know, mm -hmm. and it's it's uh, set up perfectly for for cigar night. You know. Yes. And. Uh, I can smoke my brains out out there if I want. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but, um, so, so I don't, I don't generally go at a cigar like I used to, because used to be if I lit it, it was staying lit till it was done. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I get, I get the same way sometimes. I try to just smoke when I got the time where I know it's gonna, um, you know, be lit throughout the whole time. But you know, there's there's sometimes where that, that that just can't happen, and hey, it's all. Sometimes I'll just be tired, and I'll go lay down for a while, and then come back and and finish smoking it. I. Uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, I was just. I felt bad because I didn't really answer your question earlier about the songs, the new type of music that I'm doing, because I have retired from the Elvis. Elvis gig. Uh, oh, okay. Finally. Yeah, I mean, you're you're more than welcome to talk about whatever. We can, you know, take it back to there. It's all good. Yeah. So I've got four more songs. I'll have an album done, and I'm going to start trying to market that. So the good news about all this, if there's anything good to come out of it for me, um, this being locked away, it's enabled me to do these kind of things and prepare you know for it so i'm hoping you know that we can market this new album here and there and, and then i want to get some gigs with it and see how it flies it's fresh and new mm -hmm. i've got a cross section of music in it everything from a uh, whole lot of rosie do you know a whole lot of rosie mm -mm. you don't you never heard the song whole lot of rosie that was i don't, uh, I don't think so acdc that's right I so might, I might have heard it, but, you know, like I said, I've been mostly a hip-hopper my whole life, but I, I know probably, a lot of other stuff. You've heard me sing, but you probably can't imagine me doing an ACDC song, but I do. <laughs> uh, Aretha Franklin tune. Um, I'm doing a whole cross-section of music from the, all the way from the 60s to, to uh, today. 
some new country. Nice. And then, um, but there's no, in other words, you're not going to come to my show and hear all country music. Yeah. I sing the way I sing. I don't, that's why I wasn't an impersonator. I, the way I sang was how I sang. I didn't try to be 100% accurate like an impersonator does. I sang my own way. And I do these songs my own way. I'm doing an ACD song, ACDC song, probably with some flavor of, of Elvis in it. Real yeah. interesting. When you hear yeah. it, it's probably one of the best songs out of the 14 that I, that I did. I think it's going to have some, I think it's going to have some uh, future on it. Nice. Uh, so I'm excited. It's another challenge for me at this point in my life. And you need to have challenges or you're, you're, you're uh, it ain't far before you get the grass. You got to yep. keep busy. Definitely. Know? And I mean, it's it's always good to have a, a unique sound. You know, you don't want to sound like other artists, you know, when doing music. You know, you got your, you know, you have that Jack Smeek uh, brand that, you know, you've branded yourself. You have a certain sound. Uh, you know, you, you, you are yourself 100, 100%. Um, when, whenever you do music, even if, you know, even if it's not Elvis or whatever, you know, so, I mean, that that's always fresh to have somebody who has their own sound, you know? Right. And, yep. and to, that's you know, exactly it, right. it's, it's always a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we're almost done here. Just a few more questions to go, man. This has been a lot of fun so far, man. Sure has. You're doing a great job, by the way. Oh, yeah. I'm, and and, and we had a lot of viewers. All, I've done interviews all over different areas of the world. You know, everything from ABC, NBC, CBS. I've done interviews, Telemundo. South America, Univision, uh, BBC Television and Radio. You know, it's a it's a uh, it's an interesting business, and you, I know you're getting your sea legs under you, but you're doing a great job, Mike. And you seem hey, I like appreciate you really, that. Seem like you really like it, son. I'm proud of you. Oh yeah, and plus we had a good amount of viewers. You know, I put comments up on the screen as they came up. You know, tonight. So hey, it's been a good show, like I knew it was. So <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get to the last bit of questions here. So. Uh, what is your beverage of choice when smoking a cigar? <laughs> I like a scotch. Nice. I like scotch, I too. like a single malt scotch. Any of the good ones, and there's several good ones. Yeah. But um, my, I, I, I don't mind a well-done blended scotch, but I prefer single malt. You know? Yeah, Definitely. I, I'm not, I mean, I like scotch. I'm, I don't, I'm, I only know like a couple brands of scotch or whatever, but I definitely, the scotch that I had, I really enjoyed. I actually was hanging out with Mike uh, Bellity from MLB Cigar Ventures for Boston Jimmy's 60th birthday party. And so after we were at his party at Executive, we went over to uh, the bar across the street. And right. Mike Be Mike Bellity was buying drinks because he's rich as fuck. So he, whenever <laughs> we go out and buy some scotch or whatever, he's rich as fuck. It's always on him. That's just how he is. And yeah. so uh, I didn't even know what he ordered, but he ordered some scotch, and it was freaking amazing. So I, I, just, well, I, tr I really trusted him. Yeah, when you really appreciate scotch, uh, is when you take your time with it. Yeah, make love to it, man. Don't 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 gull it down. You might as well. Go ahead and get a bottle of MD twenty twenty and drink it. <laughs> if that's all you're going for is a buzz. Yeah, um, and but, and I mean, even if your baby, you know, if you're you know making love to the scotch and all that, like scotch is really strong, so like it'll hit you kind of quick either way. So, you yes. know, you know that's why it's, I like it's, it because it's 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 a nice and relaxes you and all that's kind of. And it goes great yeah. with a cigar, Mike. Oh yeah, if you're smoking a cigar with that. It's just a great combination, you know. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely, and uh, uh, we all have a special place that we really like to smoke cigars at. Uh, where is your favorite place to smoke a cigar? Well, you know, Brooks Place was the last cigar establishment that I absolutely, frequented. huh? I said absolutely. That's where we hung out all the time. Yeah. You know, and just... I miss I miss the whole gang there, the people, and the atmosphere there. Oh yeah, a bunch of great people and and uh, Susie Q and Brooke and you know uh, um, and so right now he's between stores. He's moving into another, eventually into another location, mm -hmm. and I I can't 
I can't wish him to get it open sooner because he's my guy, you know. Definitely. I, I definitely feel the same way, um, you know, on that. You know, it's, you know, that's kind of where, you know, nine years ago I walked in there. I, I wasn't an everyday cigar smoker back then. Um, I, but I walked in, you know, I, I walked in there, saw the place. It's when I was first getting into cigars, you know, on a serious level. And then eventually I moved like right up the street um, at Mission Bay Apartments for a little bit. And I started going there every day and it just became my everyday lifestyle. And if it wasn't for Paradise Cigars, there would be Paradise. no there yeah. would be no team shirtless Mike, you know, I would not be well known in the cigar world because, you know, that's where I really, you know, cut my cigar teeth and really got into the whole lifestyle. The, if you don't want to hear the truth, if you ask someone a question, yeah, well, then don't ask that question at, at, at that at that location because they'll give you a straight up answer. I yeah, don't care who it is. Yeah. Good, good people there. Uh, good absolutely people. absolutely yeah. yeah that's the reason why i went there and you know, that was my home shop for so many years because you know you're gonna hear the 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 raw real truth you know no holds barred none of that you know if, if you're a pussy you can't go in there you're not gonna have a good time <laughs> I, think I was there one day and and uh it was toward the evening and someone came in casing the place to rob it oh and i looked around and i saw several people putting their hands in their coats you know oh yeah half of them are policemen yeah a lot of cops go there like that that's not a safe place for you to go and um to try to to steal to try to try to commit crimes you're going down there man uh yeah but anyway hey listen we're over a minute over right is that okay we aren't Uh, we're arrested are we no, no, they're, 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 I, I always keep it at like an hour. We could go over an hour. Um, I pr- there's actually just, I, I was going to talk about some, um, something else, but I'm going to just bring up one more thing um, before the end, um, you know, because of the way the interview's going. It's a nice vibe, so I'm not going to, I'm just going to kind of end it off here, though. So, you know, as we wind down this interview, I want to ask you, what do you think has been the secret to your success, whether it's in music or any other venture? Wow. I, I think the answer to that is, is um, what I strive to achieve is not success like most people think is success, like adoration and all that. When I do shows, if I do a show and I connect with the audience mm-hmm. and I can communicate with them by a look or, a, or something, a joke, whatever, but that connection, and I've had, I've never... This may sound arrogant. I don't mean it that way. I've never had what I consider a bad show. I've always connected with people in the audience and with yeah. people around me. We've always, I always tell people in my shows, I'm not Elvis. I'm not trying to be Elvis. Uh, we're here to remember Elvis, and I'm a fan just like you are. I just happen to have the microphone, and they'll laugh. But and that's the way I go on with the show, and that's that's success to me. Um, that's what entertainment is, you know. So, yeah, definitely. And uh, we'll 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 ask one more last question, and then we'll get up out of here. So, after everything we talked about tonight, what is something that we don't know about Jack Smeek? <laughs> you should be asking my wife that one. <laughs> don't know about me. Um, <laughs> I, I'm basically um, a homebody. Mm. And more so at the age I am now. Um, I love my home. You would think somebody that loves to go out in front of 100,000, 10,000, 20,000 people loves to always be in the limelight. I don't. Yeah. I love my family. I love my home. Um, and, and, uh, and so I am a homebody. I just happen to be in a business that takes me places, mm-hmm. but it, that ain't everything it's made out to be traveling, you know? Yeah. Um, but I've done that, but, uh, but part of do, be able to do that is knowing you got a good home to come back to. Oh, absolutely. Miss you and want to be with you. So I, I'm a homebody. Basically I, I'm a homebody. I would prefer to just do all my shows in Brevard County 
So I never have to leave the house, but that's not going to happen with this <laughs> new business I'm creating. Mm-hmm. We'll be traveling a lot. and uh, But my wife's retiring here soon in about six months, and she'll go with me. So it'll be sure. an adventure. That's the life right there. That's the life. So, it's life, uh, bro. We've talked about it earlier, but where can people contact you? Um, you know, your website, Facebook, any other social media? Facebook, just go to Jack Smink on Facebook. I'd love to get some new friends and check me out. Um, I, I, you know, Lightning Strikes Twice Productions um, is my website. Um, and uh, what care? JackSmink.com. And uh, you'll get it. And, and, um, Check me out. You'll see what I did in my past. See some pictures. Hear some music. Some of my my songs and videos. Uh, in fact, Portland. There's some video of Portland on there. So awesome. Yeah. Well, we're gonna go ahead and get off here. So I want to thank everybody again for tuning in. Remember to like the video and subscribe. Do me a solid and tell a friend. Special thanks to our guest Jack Smink. Make sure to follow them on all the social media and web, his website that he just mentioned. Uh, remember to put some smoke in the air. Uh, once I go live, we can still talk in the in the, in the broadcast studio for a few minutes as well. So uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. It was a huge, uh, it was a blast. It's probably the best show that I had now that I have new equipment. There was no sound issues. Everything went perfect. So I'm going to go ahead and end the show. You have a wonderful rest of your night, everybody. And thank you so much. You as well. Take care. God bless.